Registry Podcast, the podcast on Magento 2. For developers, by developers. Hosted by Peter Jaap Blaakmeer and Jesse Reitsma. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the registry number four. Oh, and I, I made a little bit of a mistake actually while starting uh, because we were supposed to start in, in really Dutch. So my accent is going to uh, be uh, very, very Dutchy. Uh, very Dutchy. The very Dutchy. And there is uh, Peter Jaap. Hello. Hello. And uh, <laughs> Willem Wigman. Hallo. Willem Wigman. Yeah, so um, um, the, the, the registry, uh, the podcast number four. Um, and I had to ask uh, PDA before we started because I uh, I simply lost track. Uh, it, it feels like we, we have been talking about n- nonsense for ages already. Well, wait, it is only four? I thought it was 14. <laughs> 42, yeah. <laughs> 42. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the format is a little bit um, different. Instead of um, boring uh, all of the listeners with uh, two Dutch guys uh, talking, we, we thought like we can do better. <laughs> <laughs> so there's... Three Dutch guys, um, one from the middle of the Netherlands, so that's me, one from the north, that's Peter Jaap, and one from the south, uh, that's Willem. So hi, Willem. The deep south. Hello. Yeah, I come from the warmer accent. part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I come from the warm place in the Netherlands. Yes, ah, yes, that's why you're nice. the only one without a sweater. <laughs> Get it now. So. Yeah. Yeah, so in the south, it's uh, it's about uh, 0.01 degrees uh, warmer. <laughs> so indeed, it's quite a difference. Yeah, climate, climate, um, you know. Yeah. So uh, thank you, uh, Willem, for uh, for joining us. Um, we Thanks for came, having me. Yeah, we, we came to this conclusion that, that it might be nice, actually, to, uh, to have you talk a little bit uh, about the, the new thing that you've created. Um, and I think a lot of the listeners w- will know for uh, know about it, but um, yeah, th- there was was actually no, almost no attention uh, for it uh, during Reacticon, and and nobody asked you to do any kind of podcast or interview ever since. So actually, uh, from the community, it was just dead silent, um, and it, we felt it, w- it was time for a change, right? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I would like some change as well. It's been yeah. kind of the, the the headline of what we've been doing. Um, yeah, and certainly not enough attention. Attention. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, so the, the 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 obvious start always is uh, with uh, what w- what it's called. So um, uh, so, so the name is uh, Haifa Hufa Hufter Hufa 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 So what what is the real pronunciation? Here we go. Huva. Ah. Huva. And that's um, Swedish? It's Swedish. Finnish. Ah, it's Finnish. Finnish, yeah. It's finished. It's finished, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I <laughs> People are going to have a hard time recognizing where it's sarcasm and where we're being serious. And, <laughs> but they, um, they're used of it uh, from you, but maybe for me, for me it's new. Um, but to, uh, to say uh, a first serious thing here um huva is finnish uh, and it means uh, good desirable and trustworthy so it has a lot of positive meanings in finnish yeah yeah and i i think i think in general so so do we want to make sure that people get the memo um could, could you could you maybe describe uh huva in in a few sentences yeah sure um 
<clears throat> so as uh, a lot of listeners uh, might well be aware of, um, Magento 2 front-end has been kind of an issue since Magento 2.0, arguably before um, a little bit as well. But especially since Magento 2.0, um, the whole knockout required JS front-end has been a pain to work with. Uh, it has become a bigger and bigger problem um, to have it performant and score well in Google. Uh, and it's just, it's as a developer, it's no fun at all to work with. Um, Magento has decided that the solution for this is not to fix the front end, but to replace it. Um, that's PWA Studio and Headless. So there's a lot of uh, PWA solutions now um, that, that will replace the old Magento 2 front end, but none of those solutions really suited me. And I guess I can say the agency Intercomnet, uh, Intergenet, where I work, also didn't feel at home with the new solutions um, that are currently being provided. And we don't really believe in the whole PWA, uh, PWA um, heavy JavaScript framework uh, solutions. And yeah. so what, what Huva is, to, to just round it up, and then uh, I'd be glad to <laughs> take your, uh, your cri criticism already. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so Huva is uh, our attempt to fully replace the old Magento 2 front-end, which is still PHP, HTML, CSS-based. Uh, it's fully server-side rendered. And um, you could say it's the, um, the current Magento front-end redone in a good way. So it's performant, it's less complex, um, and it's fun to work with. And the speed in which you can develop things is much, much faster than what we've seen with the old front end and what we've seen that PWA currently offers. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I, th I think uh, Peter Jaap and I, we, we both know a little bit more about uh, Hufa as well. Uh, we, we've seen uh, the Reacticon um, uh, presentation that you ran there. Um, and in general, could, could you say maybe also that that the the real in innovation of Hufa is that you simply just dump all of the JavaScript and write it into um, as, as less JavaScript as possible? Yeah, so we're trying to leverage the capabilities of modern browsers as much as possible. And a modern browser is perfectly capable, capable of, um, <clears throat> uh, as an example, um, to do form validation. We don't need 500 kilobytes of library to do form validations because your browser is perfectly capable of doing this. It's just a lot of developers don't really, uh, don't really realize this because we've been depending on libraries for so long since uh, jQuery was uh, released years and years ago. We kind of went to um, the developer approach where we use a library that serves multiple browsers and fills the gaps of uh, capabilities that those browsers have. So we use a library because then it also works with Internet Explorer. And that's how we used to do it. And now we're still used to using libraries for all little features that we need. Um, and in most of the cases, we don't need these libraries anymore. And as soon as you look at these uh, React and Vue and um, all these all these PWA libraries uh, or frameworks, they heavily rely on frameworks. 
and um, it will always come with at least hundreds of kilobytes of boilerplate uh, JavaScript, while you then have nothing but a page that renders. Then on top of that, you need to write a lot of code to actually also render HTML. And your browser can both render HTML, you can render your code on the server already, um, and then your browser has to do very little to create an interactive page. So we're, in, in my opinion, we kind of drifted away from the core principles of web development. And I wouldn't say that there's no room for app development in the, in the web ecosystem. So um, if you look at the website of Twitter or um, maybe an Adidas or a Nike or Amazon, um, they might benefit from an app-like experience. And then it maybe makes sense to ship a lot more JavaScript code. But for the typical e-commerce project, the typical website, you don't need an, uh, a full-fledged app for that. And beside that argument, um, the current web browser capabilities can do a lot of things already that don't rely on React or Vue or um, that's already baked into the browser. Well, so so I, th I think like uh, well to to open up for the criticism, the the main point that you're making is maybe that uh, Vue and React is is um, maybe too much when it comes to um, simpler logic, simply just to have a catalog of product pages and category pages to have CMS content out there and etc. Um, but I think of course like the the real benefit of React and Vue is to have uh, the functionality of a a single page application. And yeah. as soon as you talk about the single page application, it's also about loading maybe that abundance of JavaScript, uh, but also the, the CSS only once, uh, because once it's loaded, you can navigate to another page. Um, while theoretically, in, in your case, if you're navigating from the, the, the product page to the category page, uh, the checkout CSS um, has already been loaded into, uh, into the browser as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, I, I can hear you say that that um, well, if you keep the CSS to a minimum anyway, who cares? <laughs> uh, but but I, th I think it's it's kind of like harder to measure. And and I think the the there's always a, an opportunity for Vue and an opportunity for React. But I think Absolutely. your main point is that that if you're looking at e-commerce um, and the 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 requirement of having SEO in there and product and category pages that are fast to navigate. Um, we've been overlooking the fact that actually maybe PWA is slowing things down. And that's where the, the revolution that you bring in actually uh, pays off. Yeah, so I, I personally think that uh, a, a typical e-commerce website doesn't need a lot of state handling and data management. It's not data heavy. It's a quite simple website that shows products and you can add it to the cart. And then comes the complex part, it's checkout. That's... Yeah perhaps the most complicated part of an e-commerce uh, site. And there we don't build it with plain HTML and, and lightweight JavaScript. We chose to use React there because then we have a lot of state management and extra logic. And uh, you actually have a UI that changes when you select the shipping method and the payment method. And then you need some extra tools to build an interactive interface there. But for the rest of, for the, rest of the website, you don't need that much. Um, I think that's that's where you hit the nail on its head. You have to use the tools 
which are built for a specific purpose only for that specific purpose. And where, uh, for example, PWA Studio went is where they use a, a reactive framework like React uh, in uh, an area of an uh, app or website or web shop in this case, where it's not actually needed at all. So this introduces a, a huge layer of complexity in the form of JavaScript, which is then pushed on to a community of PHP developers. And that says, hey, work with this complex system to make a front end and to build, uh, well, solve the problem we introduced uh, years back with a new problem. Instead of simplifying the solution, they actually made it again more complex. Uh, so React shines in the places where you mentioned. We we build a lot of product configurators in React, um, which that's that's perfect for it. That's that's exactly the use case uh, React was built for, or, or Vue or Angular for that matter. Um, but it's overkill to force a web shop into a single page application uh, where the product page or category page, which are in essence very simple pages, um, yeah, put on the top of uh, a lot of JavaScript on top, and then have all kinds of developers struggle with this massive new framework. Well, and, and I and think the, the great thing you did with Huva is um, simplifying what we already had, leveraging the good stuff, what developers already know, um, bring in Tailwind in this case, a utility-based CSS framework, which brings back the amount of CSS uh, that's being downloaded, and if if we then handle uh, preloading stuff uh, in a smart way so that the checkout CSS is already uh, loaded on the product page or the category page, then uh, we can leverage all these modern browser tools and make a really fast uh, web shop without having all the JS complexity. Well, and I, th I think on top of it, uh, what you say um, is, is uh, actually that with React and Vue, um, as soon as you uh, deal with that single page application strategy, um, sooner or later, you need to make it uh, SEO compatible as well. Um, and then suddenly you need to think about server-side rendering and then you're opening up the, the, the box of Pandora in the complexities of, of yep. everything. So actually at the beginning of this year, I was at the VIEW uh, Amsterdam conference and I, I kind of like sneakily uh, interviewed a lot of different attendees to see like how many of those VIEW developers played around with server-side rendering. Um, and then actually most of them didn't. Um, and uh, actually, those people that that didn't never did something with e-commerce either. Um, and actually, those people that had experience with server-side rendering dealt with e-commerce, but then were less enthusiastic about the same uh, same area as well. So, so maybe we've been looking at PWA for the wrong reasons uh, as well. And that's why it's so refreshing that a Dutch guy stands up and says, "Like, hey, but we can do it different." Uh, yeah, so this is uh, what happens when you when you use a, a tool that's built for a specific purpose and try to force it into a general purpose um, area where you just put on layers and layers of exceptions. Like, oh, yeah, it was originally built for this, but now we also wanted to do this. So then we add this and then complexity, complexity, complexity adds. And yeah, then you're stuck with this, this monster. Yeah. If Magento is famous for one thing, <clears throat> I guess it's choosing the wrong tools <laughs> to do a job. Um, <clears throat> and I'm they, they initially thought that less is more, but it turns <laughs> out SAS is more. <laughs> Sassy. <laughs> to, yeah, to, to, and to that's, that's, 
Yeah, I, I would like to I would like to nuance that a little bit because if we're dealing with composer, composer per- perfectly fine. If we're dealing with the PSR standards, they push the code into the right direction. Um, they chose. Okay, the so right, those aren't me, really choices. Okay, yeah. so let me let me then um, um, rephrase. Act, uh, rephrase that. They are famously bad for making decisions in front end tools. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And what I love about Magento is mostly the backend compat- uh, capabilities and the core of the front. So the most technical part of the front end, say blocks, view models, uh, layout XML, those are really good. And that's exactly the parts that we're keeping because we love those parts and they they have their roots in Magento one and they've been ported over to Magento two in a pretty good way. Then. What's on top of that is just a pile of not such a great things. <laughs> and, and that's what we cut out. So um, uh, the bloat of HTML and the complexity of the layout XML um, and all the JavaScript had to go um, and we replaced it with something that's better, as proven tools that so come so from the Laravel ecosystem. Let's dig a little bit deeper on the technical side. How uh, how did you actually strip it out and, and rebuild it? <clears throat> yeah, so um, because I knew I wanted to keep a tight coupling between backend and frontend, I knew I wanted to keep uh, layout XML um, as, a, as, as the core technology. So I wanted to still leverage uh, the flexibility of composing your frontend with, with layout XML. Um, but I needed to get rid of all of the default PHTML and JavaScript that's being inserted by XML. So we have this reset team. Uh, we don't inherit on any team. We have a reset team, and that's basically um, uh, it only contains layout uh, files that do nothing but well, they overwrite layout XML files and they empty them. Uh, the only thing uh, that remains there is containers, and all the blocks are being thrown out. Um, and from that point, so that was my starting point, I, I built this uh, reset team, and then I created a child team that just presented me an empty HTML file. So if you ran at the front end, you would just have a, a head and a body tag, and except for that, nothing. And that was my base point to get started and reintroduce um, uh, HTML and see whatever JavaScript I would need to make it interactive again. And I really started from 0.0, blank page. Yeah. And maybe maybe to jump in. So I, I think like what, what has, has been putting off a lot of people to do the same thing in the past is because if you remove, if you reset everything uh, in the XML layout to uh, kind of like a zero or, well, zero plus containers, um, then you're stripping out all of the 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 blocks output all of the PHTML templates and et cetera. Um, yeah. And w- which basically means that you have to redo uh, so many things, but Absolutely. did you find it actually, did you find it hard to, to rewrite? Well, everything or, or maybe another sneaky question. Does Hufa uh, at this moment support everything? No, well, that's an ongoing process and, and uh, we are shifting, um, priorities there um, and we're selecting things that we really want to have, things that we kind of want to have and things that we certainly don't want to have. 
And one of those don'ts is, for example, multiple address shipping. Uh, not a single soul Who in the ever world. used that. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's it's been classically uh, uh, implemented in the worst possible way, um, and no one uses it. And I think even PWA Studio decided that this is one of the features that are not going to make it into the new format. Um, and that's that's a, that's a few features that we we plan to do at a later point, which is, for example, compare products. Um, and I think that's a feature that serves 1% of the market. There's certainly people that want to work with Hufa that will want to have compare products. But that's, uh, I think, a minority, and we will serve them, but not with the initial release. Um, what we have right now, we're almost ready to... Um, <clears throat> released configurable products. We have simples, um, downloadables are mostly working. Um, then we move on to grouped products, which uh, won't take long. Um, and then we have bundled products um, also scheduled to at least do before the end of the year. Um, so, could, could you? So you're you're mentioning a lot of different uh, features, right? Yeah. Then you're then you're basically mentioning as well that grouped products doesn't need to take that long. Uh, so yeah. what is long? What is long? Is it two hours, twenty hours, or two hundred hours? No, I'm not talking about uh, roadmap uh, release time, and um, I'm planning to do um, within hopefully two weeks a release that um, contains those features. So different product types that won't include bundles yet, but those are coming after quite soon. Um, we're wrapping up some things in the customer account area. We're wrapping up the wishlist functionality in the account, uh, account area. Um, <clears throat> and well, then- uh, Maybe to rephrase my question uh, be before this just becomes a long, long feature list. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the roadmap. So I, I think like um, it's fair to say that that you started it, um, and instead of just uh, f finishing it from the start, which is totally impossible with the ever-growing feature set of Magento itself, mm -hmm. um, it's simply fair to say that there's always a little bit work uh, that you need to put on top of it. Um, yeah. And you're you're being open about it, and the, the roadmap is there, and there's there's uh, progress being shown as well. If you say also that that a certain feature is going to pop up in in weeks, not months and not years, but just weeks, um, so that that's a benefit. But it basically, it it shows also maybe um, that to add new features, it's it's not that bad. So the, the impression I get, I, th I think a lot of people would get from uh, from Huva is um, if you remove all of the JavaScript, if you remove all of the CSS, and then on top of it, you also remove all of the HTML, you're left with nothing. So that actually you need to go through so much work to get a, a single feature in there. But but my feeling is that's not true. So could no. you comment a little bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what took me the most time was just thinking things through. There's gone so many hours into just the process of figuring out what the best way would be, how different elements in the front end would work with each other and how um, certain uh, components would interact with each other and how they would be easily um, uh, replaceable. Um, and um, in the foundation, um, 
I almost finished the configurable products and that wasn't um, a super light task because I didn't want to fully copy it over from the default Magento because the code is just too complex in my opinion. So I really took time to uh, simplify the way that works so that hopefully if a developer reads that code that they actually understand what it's doing so it becomes much easier to extend on it or uh, to modify things. Um, and we're now at a point where a lot of things have settled. Uh, the things that are there are solid and won't move around uh, anymore. And building new features goes very fast. And we have the um, um, uh, the, the benefit that we're copying over a lot of stuff from Core Magento. We're modifying it. We're improving it. We're making it less complex, but in the basis, we're not reinventing wheels. We're just reinventing simplicity and developer experience. So we're using better tools to redo what's already there. And that's so much easier than when you look at a, at a, at a headless framework where there's no example how to do things yet. And there's no tight coupling with the backend. Only thing that you have is a GraphQL endpoint. So you have data. And from there, you need to do everything by yourself. And we can look up a lot of things like how is data being managed, uh, what actions are uh, sent by which form, and then um, rebuild that same data flow and those same actions, but prettier <laughs> and nicer. Um, and that's a, that's, a, that's a very nice process and, and a very um, um, satisfying process. And uh, at this so point, yeah. The development of Huva itself is, is very quick um, com compared to developing uh, a PWA studio, I'd imagine. Um, do you also have any real-life data on uh, implementation times? Do you, do you already have a project uh, at IntegerNet that, that is using Huva? Yeah, so um, within two weeks, we finish up the project that I demoed at Reacticon. This is uh, this B2B shop. Uh, there's a little bit of work there still for the, the checkout, but except for that, that, that shop is done. Um, then we have one internal project that we're redoing that was being built with one of the bigger PWA solutions. We spent nearly nine months building that, and we decided not to see it through. Could you comment mm -hmm. on uh, which kind of uh, certain PWA solution this was? Um, Feel um, free, come on. Digging up the dirt. <laughs> so that's for you, Storefront. Okay, continue. <laughs> I did not make any comments. Um, so we we have we have some experience with that particular framework. Um, one one project we finished. No one really wanted to touch that project after it went live. So we're going to redo that project as well. That's actually started already. Um, and then the other project we didn't finish and that customer really wanted to have it finished before the end of the year. And we couldn't sell him that based on the PWA solution, but we could sell it based on Huva. So we started about six weeks ago, redoing nine months of work with PWA and we're past the functionalities that we had with the PWA solution. We, we already surpassed it. And um, 
it, I've, I'm, I'm not completely up to date with the timeline, but I think that's going to be finished this year as the client wanted. And um, so, what's that in man hours? Um, like you already had a design, I, you already had a feature set. You just just quotes just needed to rebuild it. Yeah, um, I'm uh, again. I'm I'm not fully on the inside of. I'm not running the company where I work. I'm not doing project management at the company where I work, so I don't have full insight on um, on how many hours go into that project. Um, I right. could look it I up. Can but share I'm, one. <laughs> um, we're we're uh, as as you you already know uh, at our agency we're already using Huva. We're one of the the the, the well, how do you call it pilot beta testers launching yes. partners. Um, so we've implemented the first versions and and upgraded ever since uh, you came out with new releases. We also had one project um, that needed a redesign that needed a rebuild that was. On SmartWave Porto, we inherited that project. We never used those Porto templates, but it's now we know why. Um, so we did a rebuild of that on Huva with a new design. So this was a new design, some new features, and a rebuild. We're nearly done, and we clocked in around 90 hours on it, man hours. So that's with two developers. It's within three weeks. We we went from. SmartWave Porto to Huva based new design, so that's that's our yeah, and that's amazing. <laughs> if you put that on a if you put that on a scale of complexity where you normally operate um, for for webshops that you build, <clears throat> this is a low complexity or a high complexity somewhere in between. Yeah. It's definitely a low complexity. Mm -hmm. Before the recent build, recent builds we did, we were based on uh, Snowdog's Alpaca theme uh, using Fractal. Um, that was also a lot quicker than than the system we used before. Um, Huva shares some uh, some features with that in the sense that it's uh, still a Magento theme and it's com uh, component based. Um, but we used to uh, move a design from Figma into Fractal components or alpaca components and then move them into a magento theme whereas we now skip the component part and then immediately implement them using tailwind um so the, the it's iterative phase is much faster it's it's a shorter feedback loop um with with tailwind uh because you don't have to go through all the the naming stuff and uh, we used we used bem with alpaca and now obviously we moved to tailwind utility based css um not having to think up names in the meantime and, and uh, having to define the CSS elsewhere is also saving a lot of time. Um, the pages reload a lot faster, so just the whole development flow is, is, uh, is a lot nicer. Um, so I, I'm, this is one of uh, my, uh, well, my colleagues are doing this project. I'm taking on a different project where I'm doing a rebuild of a React-based PWA solution we implemented a while ago. Um, which shall remain well, unnamed. Which shall rename main unnamed. Um, that's <laughs> oh, also one of those deity, projects. Deity. In, <laughs> that's deity. This is also one of those projects that um, nobody in the company uh, wants to touch uh, because it's, uh, just of the, the JavaScript involved and hey, but, but is there. One of the difficulties with with having this conversation is uh, is maybe also um, the, the the licensing scheme. So I've I've been hearing actually um, a lot of positive feedback in the community about uh, Huvata, so that's wonderful, and I think also that that 
Um, the, my feeling, as soon as I heard, uh, heard about uh, Huva, um, basically that was also based upon the stories that Willem was telling, is basically that the developer experience goes up, but uh, it's not only the, the pleasure to work with something more bare bones, but it's also actually that the efficiency goes up uh, as well. Um, so instead of just wasting hours on uh, building something with SmartWave Porto, uh, which seems simple, but then you need to tune things, then you need to troubleshoot the JavaScript errors, and then you're, you're still stuck at like the lowest uh, um, light speed uh, uh, or uh, lighthouse rating ever. Um, I, I think that proves a lot. Um, however, um, then it's still hearsay because uh, I think a lot of people hear these stories and then they look at the pricing page of Hufa at this moment, and then they see that it, it is costing um, a heavy, and I'm putting that between quotes because that's where the discussion is, um, a heavy sum of uh, 1,000 euro per year. Well, um, no, <clears throat> that's a, that's a, you should see that as a one-time fee while you, you buy the product. And um, it includes a year of updates, so uh, security updates, magenta updates. Uh, so we keep it we keep it compatible, and then after a year there will be a recurring fee to keep receiving updates, and that will include um, access to support, access to screencasts that will do to explain how to build stuff. Um, so it's um, it's not a thousand euros per year, but it's a thousand euros to get access to tools that save you many, many, many hours on each project that you do. Yeah, so, so maybe to comment on it, because I, I always love the numbers. So let's, let's say that you have a development team, team uh, somewhere in a, in a lower wage country, uh, for instance, India. And I'm not saying anything about the quality uh, of, of uh, that, but, but just a little bit of outsourcing to have lower development rates. And let's say that actually the, the developers there are costing 20 euro per hour. Uh, then we're actually talking about 50 hours of such a person to be hired, right? That's that's the expense that we're talking about. Um, yet yet both of you actually say something different as well, that that uh, the project that uh, you were working with, uh, Willem, um, for nine months with a certain PWA solution, um, it took only six weeks um, mm -hmm. to refactor that. So that's, that's, I don't know, like my numbers, but that's at least... Uh, a winning of of two times as many hours. Well, it's it's basically uh, exceeding that fifty euro right away, and I think that's the same story with uh, Peter Yap. So um, to, uh, that's why. And now I you're asked only taking in one part of the equation, because the other yeah. part of the equation is the web shop will be a lot faster, will convert better, and you'll earn more money. So just that part, if you're doing any serious business at all. Uh, a minimum increase or decrease in uh, um, or increase in performance and decrease in time on uh, spent on the page being loaded uh, has a, a, a bit, pretty big effect on conversion ratios. So if you're doing any kind of relevant turnover, so let's say for the e uh, EU market uh, a million plus, um, that uh, that thousand euros is, is you know it will be earned back in the first month. Yeah. The, the, this. Um, this amount of money shouldn't be a problem for agencies who who read the benefits or, or merchants who read the benefits of a system like this. There will always be a place in the market for the smart wave portos uh, and for the fully custom designs and for the PWA studio. 
Um, but I do think that for a lot of agencies doing mid-market uh, SMB e-commerce shops, especially in the EU with a uh, yearly turnover of between, well, maybe even 500K and upwards up to 20, 30, 50 million, whatever you do with on, on Magento 2, I think this is... Uh, one of the most cost-effective uh, solutions out there, and then a thousand euros is peanuts. Yeah. So basically, anyone one who starts to to complain about the pricing needs to do the math. Um, and, and unless we're dealing with somebody who's volunteering all of his his or her time towards Magento and is not earning any money, then then maybe that person has a point. But I think as soon as you <laughs> run projects, as soon as you make money out of Magento, so then actually this is just a smart investment. Definitely. Any any agency should be able to reap thousand euros of benefits using Hoover. Yeah. Hey, but um, I've got also a more technical question, and that that's maybe leading into also one of my pain points with with uh, Hoover as well. Um, so um, Hoover is based upon Tailwind, and as soon as I started to read uh, about the Tailwind uh, CSS usage, uh, I learned about uh, just adding all of those CSS classes to the HTML, and then automatically stuff uh, st starts happening. Um, and, and then instead of just adding one CSS class to one HTML uh, element, you're adding like 20 um, just for that thing to happen, um, which made me wonder like, hey, but would it, wouldn't it be more efficient to move all of those CSS classes into a CSS file and simply just uh, create my own definition of CSS uh, for instance, uh, a class name called cart or uh, product gallery or um, main menu, and then just um, uh, import all of those um, Tailwind uh, utility classes um, as a mix-in, like like I was used to with um, with uh, with uh, SAS or with uh, with less. Um, and I, I I read about that it's possible. So th then I, at that moment, yep. um, it was my impression basically that Tailwind. Um, uh, say, yeah, that, that's apply. You say PTAP? Yeah, at apply, at apply. Yeah. So uh, we're we're why? doing this. Oh, we're doing this, but yeah, we're doing this in the least amount uh, that makes sense. And um, what that means is that as soon as we have a repeating pattern, that we see that this part of the base of the teaming something that, uh, for example, a button or the way that we style an input element or um, these containers that we use, we, we use it, uh, we call it card, C-A-R-D, um, that's used um, for block elements where uh, in product listings and uh, in many places throughout the team. And that's the kind of thing that we uh, abstract from the HTML. Uh, we apply one class and uh, we add that to our CSS in Tailwind. And then as Peter Jaap says, you can use apply. So it means um, you say you say the class card, um, it uses these Tailwind classes. So you say apply and then uh, the padding and the uh, rounded corners and shadow. So you can use the Tailwind classes, compose them in CSS. And the reason we're not doing that for just everything uh, the way we're used to doing it is because you're going to you're setting things in stone in your CSS file, and it's decoupled from the actual HTML that you're writing. And your HTML is bound to change. Your CSS is not bound to change that often. 
So you remove an element from your HTML. So uh, there was a header component and you removed it, uh, a, a button that was there, and you removed the button, but the CSS lives on. There will always be this header button class with the styles applied to that. And um, if you're very strict and, 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 uh, and, and you pay attention to these things, maybe you clean it up in the CSS, but usually your CSS just keeps growing. Um, and um, um, beside that, Tailwind is built in a way that uh, by its own definition, your CSS remains the smallest. So the final CSS file remains the smallest when you compose different utility classes. Um, and when you compile your CSS with Tailwind, it looks at the HTML, it looks at the classes that you actually used and reduces that to the smallest amount of CSS. So a Tailwind by itself, the whole library is almost two megabytes. And when we compile the CSS and only use the classes that we need, we end up with 35 kilobytes of CSS. Um, as soon as you start uh, abstracting CSS and putting it into classes like you, uh, like you proposed, then immediately your CSS starts growing. You get repetition of certain... Yeah, so the repetition part is is uh, is important here. So Tailwind gives out these classes um, like um, a bottom uh, bottom bottom B two. So you have a bottom border of border B two. So you have a border bottom of two EM. Um, so that's one class. If that's used somewhere in your front end, then that class won't be purged. Uh, so it will be in your CSS file. So let's say you create a card class that contains a few of these Tailwind classes, and then you will apply it to one element. In that case, you introduced extra code because you introduced this class, which again copies the data from the individual Tailwind classes, and you apply it to one element. If you would have just applied the Tailwind classes immediately to that element, you would have less code than you would have now. But if you have two elements that use that, then you can extract that into uh, uh, one class that uses those uh, uh, composite Tailwind classes. So what you do in a like in a BEM situation, you name everything and you create maybe one class for one element that's used in one place in your whole application. That introduces a lot more uh, CSS code than uh, the Tailwind way, where you try to find the the least common denominator between all classes used in a certain component, put that into a Tailwind class. And so, for example, the button, you define the width and the height and the border, et cetera, but not the, or a base color. And then if you have the same button somewhere else, but then a different color, you just use the Tailwind color class in your HTML. And you do not create a new class called button red and then add the color red in there because that would, again, duplicate code. So, so it's I'm, a I'm, it's a fine line, but um, if you do it correctly and if you really think about where you will uh, split up your classes and and uh, use the least common denominator properly, then you'll end up with way less CSS than in the BAM structure. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm making that that uh, suggestion actually uh, for for two reasons. So first of all, I'm a I'm a CSS uh, nitwit. <laughs> so every time when I need to create a simple CSS definition, I need to look it up uh, online. Like, well, what kind of property? Me too. But Tailwind is created for developers <laughs> like us. So I, I, I get that yeah. point, and, and, and theoretically, I, I also get the point about um, uh, BEM being less efficient 
um, especially when, when there's less code to be made reusable. And that's also where you came in, uh, Willem, that, that you simply mentioned that sometimes you're using the, 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 the identifier strings within the HTML to refer to CSS where it's, it's all about reusability, but sometimes you're just chucking those uh, utility classes of Tailwind in the HTML to get the job done. And it, it's all all still about performance. So I, I, I get that first part and that's- Not only, that's not only, there's yeah. an extra thing, uh, interchangeability of components. And that means when you write um, a block of HTML with Tailwind, it contains all the styling by, by using Tailwind classes. That means that if I cut and paste something from another website, from a library, there's, there's loads of Tailwind libraries where you can get all kinds of layouts and call to actions and a newsletter subscription and think of it and it exists. And you can just simply copy that HTML, put it in a PHTML file, and then replace uh, static content with variables and recompile your CSS and it works. As soon as you start introducing uh, project-specific or, or framework-specific classes to it, it becomes much harder to um, take something and, and extract it uh, extract it and reuse it. And we're planning on creating a library of different UI elements. Uh, we're creating the, the third variation on the menu right now. So we have a static menu, just uh, a few links uh, on the line. Then we have a drop-down menu now that's fully dynamic, and we're building uh, at the moment a mega menu. And it will be super simple to just swap the menu, take the PHML file that contains the mega menu, um, replace it in your team, recompile the CSS, and it works. And if you would do that in a transition, uh, traditional way, you would need to have an extra CSS file that contains the CSS for your menu. And that's just bloat everywhere. Yeah. But, but, which, but maybe which brings me on, there. yeah. Which brings me on third-party extensions because what you just explained is exactly what third-party extensions now do. They provide a PHTML file or maybe a JS file, some CSS. You put it in, but the Magento system hooks into it, pulls it into your CSS file, merges it, minifies it, whatever, and then the functionality is there. How will you um, how will you handle third-party extensions with compatibility modules? And that means. Um, if I take an example, we have this GTM module from Mirio. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we made that compatible with Huva. Um, what that entails is um, we take the, the module that Yirio uh, or Yesa created, we put it in with Composer, and then we pull in an extra compatibility module that we created that only contains the uh, PHTML file and the JavaScript that we changed to make it compatible. So um, uh, there's one module that sits in between and that overrides the output. And uh, in this case, for this module, it took less than two hours to uh, rewrite it to work with Huva. Okay. But and th this is maybe also where I would like to make a point. Um, so so the, the, the thing I was trying to get to earlier was actually um, that if um, the amount of work to um, to strip away all of the nonsense JavaScript, the nonsense CSS, and the nonsense HTML that is shipping with this this average third-party extension, if if removing all of that is uh, is peanuts because there's a reset, 
Um, but additionally, um, to rewrite such an extension to behave in your own way, then I, I, I get that that if you're fond of Tailwind and um, uh, you've you've thought out this modular system on your own already, um, then it's kind of uh, kind of cool. Um, however, uh, what I still see is so I'm I'm still like a CSS nitwit, right? Um, and I think Tailwind is is cool, but I I still think Bootstrap is cool as well, and I think Foundation is cool, and I think any kind of tool that makes your life easier. Um, so that you don't need to write CSS from scratch. I think that's cool. Moodle. And I, I, I think on top of it, writing CSS from scratch is cool as well. Um, so my but you're free, is, to, you're free to do that. You know what it is? That, that's my you question. Have, yeah. So you have a base team, which is our, our default Tailwind team, and it contains 35 kilobytes of CSS. It can even become less if you decide to throw things out. But that's your baseline. And I don't care if you add jQuery pull in jQuery and write a component that uses jQuery. It will come with a small penalty. It will pull down your page uh, speed score. Same goes for uh, whatever CSS framework that you would like to put on top of it. Um, as long as you make sure that they don't conflict, so you can add a prefix to your tailwind or add a prefix to classes from uh, whatever tool that you bootstrap, or um, and that will work perfectly. But um, we're just aiming at... Um, simplicity, reduced complexity, um, and performance. And we get the maximum performance by not including these third-party uh, um, libraries. And so far, when I, got, when I started building this, I fully expected, I fully expected to, um, to have to include more libraries. I thought the mini card, I'm going to have to build that with React because it will be more complex and AlpineJS won't be able to handle that. AlpineJS, I think, could even do the full checkout. It's just at that point when it becomes so complex, React or Vue becomes the better tool to build something like that because you could want to you, have... Could you still comment a little bit about, uh, about, about the current state of the checkout as well? In yeah, Europe. yeah. yeah um, so um, we we chose to go two paths here because not everyone that will use Huva will be uh, technically adept enough to use uh, a React to build a checkout. So um, and and using Alpine doesn't really make sense to rebuild a checkout. Uh, it will become so complex that uh, you also need to write a book for someone to understand how it works. So um, first of all. To have this, the shortest path to um, getting a, a production-ready website, we have a fallback Luma checkout module. And that's for the person that wants to have a perfect website for 90% and go live with that and have a checkout that still relies on, uh, on Luma. And that works perfectly. So if you have uh, shipping extensions, payment extensions, they're all already compatible with Luma, so as soon as someone enters the checkout, uh, they enter a page that uh, actually renders the Luma team. So if you if you want to go live fast, you can build your Huva site in one or two months. Don't don't um, bother too much with the checkout, um, and and perhaps uh, hire someone who can uh, customize the checkout for you um, using uh, React or Vue. Um, um, but at least you don't need to uh, uh, 
have a lot of technical knowledge about how the checkout works. Then the second path, the second option, is that we open sourced um, a whole React checkout that's not fully functional yet. We're still uh, building out features there, but we have a React checkout that works fully headless. Uh, it's built with React, only uses GraphQL. It's compatible with default Luma. You could use it on your old Luma side. You can use it with Huva in our front end, but you could even use it in any headless uh, Magento shop. Um, we built it. Um, I started building that in January, actually, and then put it on hold for, for a while. And then we had a project at Intergenet where we needed a React checkout. So I started implementing it for a B2B shop. So it currently has uh, the billing address. Um, it has uh, a card implementation where you can uh, add and reduce items in a card. It has the totals. Uh, we're finishing up uh, checkout agreements, order comments. Um, and then it's it's really not a big step to also include uh, the shipping address, the selection of the payment type, and the selection of the shipping ad uh, shipping type. Um, that's on the roadmap. We'll 100% finish that module so that uh, all the base features will be in there. Um, so if you're in a hurry, you could uh, build your shop now and use the Luma fallback checkout and wait until we fully featured the React checkout, or you choose to uh, use the Shipper HQ React checkout or the Snowdog uh, View checkout, or I mean, there's there's many checkouts out there. And I I tweeted uh, a, a few weeks ago. I tweeted, uh, "Huva is a, a bring your own checkout uh, um, uh, concept." which maybe confused some people that they thought that we're not bringing a checkout, but it's a bit more nuanced than that. Um, in fact, we have the fallback checkout, we're building the React checkout, but you have any choice to implement another checkout as well. There's options, there's plenty of them. So, so maybe the, the problem is uh, choice. So uh, to, me, to me, there's still one really annoying thing in this whole story. Um, and that, that's kind of that... that um, <laughs> <laughs> Ever since Magento 1 came out, um, and as soon as Magento 1 came out with the XML layout, um, uh, somewhere in those days I met up with, uh, with um, um, oh, come on, his name, um, Joaf Kuttner. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Joaf explained to me, uh, hey, there, there's, there's the, the, the reason behind this XML layout is actually for people to create their own front end, to have the liberty to build whatever they wanted to build, uh, because the front end is always going to be moving faster um, than the, the Magento backend. Um, he, he had that vision. Um, and then actually Magento 1 happened and it became popular also with maybe lower end merchants or less capable developers. I'm, I'm not, not trying to be rude, but maybe that, that that's what happened. Um, and, and everybody got, got stuck to prototype and scriptaculous and, and they believed they were stuck. And nobody ever came up with this idea to create a second front end um, based upon jQuery because that was hot. Um, and then Magento 2 came out um, and Magento 2 just continued with um, not necessarily something that is really bad because they, they needed to choose between, um, between, between maybe creating their own JavaScript stack like before with Magento 1 or they, they would have gone the Angular way or they, they chose actually for knockouts thinking back then it was a good idea. Um, and then they, they maybe learned their lessons, but but um, they created a legacy. Um, 
And I, I often say that we shouldn't blame Magento for creating all of that stuff because on top of we it, asked them to, we asked them to, and they've created it for free as well. Yeah. Um, and we became dependent on it. So w- what really bugs me, what, what, what for me, the really most annoying thing is, is that actually from the very start of Magento one, which is like ages ago, um, th- there was this tendency or in- intent that actually the community would step in and create an alternative front end, um, which was better depending upon like what kind of front end technologies came up. And only like 10 years later or, or, or longer, um, then this Dutch guy comes along, Willem Wigman, and he creates something like that. And I'm just really scared that actually uh, people start to to embrace Hufa and not see the opportunity of them recreating a lot of stuff themselves, not seeing that opportunity to uh, drop tailwind and, and, and embrace uh, bootstrap if they want to. Uh, but basically look in your direction for maintaining everything and then just blaming you if the progress is not fast enough. So uh, mm-hmm. how do you see that? Why why didn't so- somebody else come up with this ID earlier? I think the timing is just perfect with the tools that we have right now. And I think um, uh, Laravel has, has played a very big role there. Uh, Lar- um, I mean... Um, uh, Tailwind. La- Tail- no, no, well, no. So Tailwind comes from the Laravel ecosystem. Um, mm-hmm. And um, that's um, that's that's a very happy PHP community, and the tooling there is great and moving super fast. And uh, Tailwind and Alpine JS are a result of a flourishing Laravel ecosystem. Um, and well, there's probably other tools that are great as well that we could have used, but um, in this case. Um, it's the most performant and the most lightweight tool that you can use to build. So that's that's where I made the choice. One, developer happiness. I see the developer happiness in that ecosystem, and I wanted to tap into that. I didn't want to make the switch to Laravel development because I'm a Magento guy, but I wanted to recreate that happiness. And so far, if I look at the developers that are working with it right now, I'm succeeding in that. And that alone makes me very happy. Um, why didn't it happen before? Um, we're, we're not fully done yet killing Internet Explorer. Um, but we're almost there. Um, and I think that has been a great factor in holding people back. And then it's a scary thing to do, right? Um, I, I probably, if you would have asked, if you would have given me the task to rebuild the front end of Magento, I wouldn't have gotten started with it. But I had the perfect use case where I was just, fiddling with my own little project. I was trying to build a webshop for my wife and I was imagining how could I do that in a way that I'm having fun? Because quite honestly, in my day job, doing Magenta 2 front-end, it's not that much fun anymore. And that's kind of depressing. So uh, on my side projects, I was trying to do something that would make me happy. And I just got started. And uh, that way, it wasn't uh, something dumb or something like unreachable that I was trying to do because I wasn't trying to rebuild the Magento 2 frontend. I was trying to do a simple shop for my wife with the least amount of code possible. And I guess it's a perfect storm of um, you running into that situation, 
having browser compatibility up to a point where stuff gets a lot of, lot easier. The existence of Tailwind, Magento being in a more competitive market than they were five to ten years ago when they were pretty much the only player in, in the open source um, uh, e-commerce environment. Um, SaaS platforms getting better and better. The competition is on. And then PWA coming along as this sort of panacea uh, cure for everything. Please uh, use our PWA offering. It's great. And then it turns out it isn't great. Um, so I think all of those combined um, culminated into um, what is now Huva. And uh, who knows, maybe there will be uh, a Huva competitor down the line, all the better. Uh, that will probably serve a different angle and serve a different market. Yeah, and I, th I think that that ba that's basically maybe also one of the points to 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 learn from the story, regardless of whether you're going to use uh, Huva. Um, Willem is just uh, uh, pointing the community towards um, a very obvious point that that if the current Magenta frontend is too complex, you might just work really really hard into improving it, uh, but you might as well just recreate some or recreate create something new, and that something new might be totally different, but but a lot better. And that's basically what Huva is, right? A better front yeah. end yeah. for Magento. And I think, well, it, it, it's gone really fast, which is, I think, a product of, of um, the fact that I did a lot of the things on my own. So I didn't have to argue. I didn't have to plan things. I didn't have to write things out. Um, I just made it up. And I lay awake for many, many hours thinking about how to do stuff. I would wake up in the morning at six o'clock, work one and a half hour on Huva, and then take care of my daughter and work. So um, it took a lot of dedication. Wait, your daughter wakes up at 7.30? <laughs> my yeah. God. 7, you 7.30. One, one lucky person. I actually... I start we, work at five because my daughters wake up at six. <laughs> it depends uh, if it's a day she needs to go to school. It's a little bit earlier, but uh, I had this uh, period where um, um, even on a holiday, um, my wife and daughter would sleep until nine and I had two full hours to just fully wow. focus. So basically, we have to thank your daughter for Huva. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, what I'm... What, yeah, I think... Um, final um, comment. <laughs> final comment. Um, I'm excited. We're getting, uh, we're, we're getting really close to bringing this to a lot more people. Uh, we've been holding back a bit, um, uh, giving just a few people uh, access so that we, we can check on the code quality and see uh, if there's gaps that we still need to fill before we, we publish it. There's a list of people that are that I'm really thankful of that they're still waiting for me to give them access, um, and um, I'll be very happy to give that to them uh, soon. Um, yeah, right. Sounds great, Willem. Thanks for uh, being here, and um, I guess uh, we'll uh, see you in the future. Maybe we'll do a, a, um, a report back episode in half a year or so and see where you stand with Huva at that point. Yeah, yes. we need to hear how your progress is, uh, how your pro yeah. I'll projects probably are. I'll blab about it here in one of the next episodes. <laughs> yeah. and basically, in half a year time, uh, that, that's the impression I get. Um, you can both uh, say that that you've built like 20 different shops in uh, in two months' time or At so. Least. Because the, the speed just goes up <laughs> tremendously. <laughs> yeah, so Willem, thanks uh, for joining us. Um, thanks for having me. It was awesome. So thank you so much.
And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back with another episode on Peter Jaap. I have no idea yet. No, I mean, <laughs> I'll like, have to check the, topic, the notes. The topic was you. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. All oh, right. Yeah. We're, oh, yeah. Sorry. CICD. CI, yeah. Pipelines. Oh, nice. Stuff. Continuous yeah. integration, continuous deployment. Let's do yep. that. So totally Let's different topic. Uh, but I think this one was really awesome. So thanks again to uh, Bill. Absolutely. Thanks, All guys. Right. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.